This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Underway on hour two of Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon, Aaron Vickers, along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, alongside our outstanding producers Cam and Taylor for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems; they're all things basementy. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Lots of hockey talk in hour one of the program. The Patrice Bergeron retirement news kicked us off. Had a chat on our NHL offseason review with Adam Gold, talking all things Carolina Hurricanes. You can find that uh, up on the hour one podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The pods go up moments after each hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We're kicking off hour two, however, with a very special chat. News came out last week that the Vancouver Warriors had named Kurt Miloski as the team's next GM and head coach. After 16 incredible years with the Calgary Roughnecks, Kurt now off to challenge things out west with the Vancouver Warriors. And uh, he's kind enough to give us some time down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Coach. Thanks for the time, as always, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, we appreciate the time uh, here, Kurt. Uh, I say Kurt Miloski, GM and head coach of the Vancouver Warriors. Has that sunk in yet? Has that come to fruition in your mind that you're making the move to Vancouver? Uh, some days, yeah. And then some days, uh, I still feel that I'm part of the Roughneck family. So it's it's you know it's been up and down as I've, I've never lied from day one when I've been on the call and yeah there's some days I uh, I'm sad and some days I'm excited so this it's it's mixed emotions but uh, decisions made and uh, you know we're moving forward with that with everything. What uh, what went into the decision, Kurt, to, to make the big move from Calgary to Vancouver? I think it was family and logistics. You know I, I from B, from BC here and uh, you know I've, I've traveled for a lot of years and you know there's. Uh, you know, my son's my older boy's in university, and he went away, and you know he's he's gone nine months of the year pretty much, and and it's a big that really hit home. And then my little guy, he's twelve, and you know I'm missing a lot. And then sometimes you reflect back, and it's like, man, I, I can't believe my son's nineteen years old already, and my other guy's up to twelve years old, and and you just don't want to. It's it's really it gets sad. Like you look at the old pictures, and you get sad, and they've grown up so fast, and. You know, then there's an opportunity in Vancouver where we can align everything. I could be at my son's hockey game Sunday morning, and you know, I could be home a little bit more for my wife and, and, and everybody. You know, my mother-in-law in the basement; she's getting elder. She's 95 years old. So, you know, there's a lot of things pulling at me. And then, you know, I'm a I'm a PC guy through and through. And you know, the lacrosse in BC is important. There are a lot of people that got, got me to the position that I'm at, and through the BC lacrosse. So that was important to me. But you know, it. What a gut-wrenching decision, and by far, by far, the hardest decision I had to make in my lacrosse career was to, to step away from my, my other family in Calgary. Kurt, you mentioned you call it gut-wrenching. How many sleepless nights were spent 
sort of humming and hawing over which direction you should go? Uh, you know what? There was a lot. You know, I, I've always, like I said, I've always been honest. And, you know, I, I had a dream the other night that, oh, geez, I left Calgary. And I woke up thinking, oh, what happened? But it was true. It was like, honestly, there's been a lot of sleepless nights. There's been a lot of tears. Um, it, it, it wasn't It wasn't like, it was It was just, it was hard. It was really hard. I've, I left so many, so many close friends. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm indebted to the organization. They, they took a chance on me as an assistant coach in 2010. And, you know, you know Brad, in 2008, and bringing me in as a franchise guy in the Calgary as a player. And, you know, I've got two championships out of it. And, you know, I've become, you know, become close to John Bean, Mike Moore, and, and Mike Board, and, and all those players and the staff, man. Like, I truly, I truly miss them. And it's, it, that was the hardest part is saying goodbye to them. And, you know, after 16 years, they are like your second family. You meet so many good people along the way, and and you know I know it's just professional sports. And I know that there's always change, and people say change is good and it's inevitable. But that was it. Just it just still feels empty, and I just I miss. It's going to be so hard for me to come back to Calgary and the fans and all the people that I met through all those years, guys. And you know that's why I jumped at the opportunity to be on the, the show just to, to show my gratitude to the city, to the fans, to the organization, to everybody involved, and. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to do that, but yeah, it's still very, very difficult. It's still very fresh, and you know, I'm going to really miss those guys. Kurt, you mentioned John Bean, Mike Moore, and Mike Board, sort of being like a second family. Is that one of the more difficult professional conversations you've ever had to have? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I've always coached from with my heart, and I've always led with my heart, and and it was it was very, very, very difficult conversation to have with Mike Board, and you know, we we. It was on a Friday night, and the guy kind of got settled on the Saturday and the Sunday. And still to this day, it's hard, you know. And you know, talking to the players and stuff, it's it's not easy. It's it's not easy to say goodbye. And I've had a lot of really good relationships. And you know, I like I said, it is professional sport, but I poured my heart and soul into that organization as they reciprocated right back. And I think that's the hardest thing is that you know we coach and we coach pro sports, but. In lacrosse and the Calgary Roughneck organization, it's more than that. It's just it's more than than the product on the floor and the players that you have on the floor. It's who you meet in the locker room, who you're who you're spending week after week and 16 years. Man, I met so many good people that I I'm proud to say are their friends for life. And you know I, you know you always say you win a championship, you walk together forever. And I'm very very grateful that you know the legacy that was left behind a lot of great players that we were able, I was able to win as a, co- as a coach and win as a player and I'm very proud to, to say that I was, I was a part of that because it kind of solidifies solidifies everything you know just just having to having the ability to those fans to be able to enjoy two championships in the last 16 years was pretty special so I got a lot of great great memories from Calgary and, and they're always going to be in my heart and that's something that I uh, you know I, when I break down it's uh it's thinking about them, so not easy. Not easy for me. I'll try not to make this any harder than it is with this next question, but it was 16 years, as you mentioned, 13 of those in a front office and coaching capacity. Have you given any thought to what it's going to be like your first game back on a bench at the Saddle Dome in front of those Roughneck fans? It won't go well. Um, I know that right now it won't go well. It's going to be very, very difficult for me. And I, I don't think it's just on the bench. I think just coming into the city, coming into the airport, you know, you, you, you're in Calgary, you walk through the airport, and there's so many fans that come up to you in my 16 years. They, 
really identifiable in the community. And, you know, just seeing the young Roughneck fans come up, hey, Coach Kurt, how you doing? And just all those interactions and the staff, like it's, it, it's I'm going to be a mess, guys. I really will be. And, and uh, it's going to be difficult. But, you know, I, I look back and I, I wouldn't change a thing, man. Like, well, I wouldn't change a thing. It was so enjoyable. And, you know, I, I've said it from day one, once a Roughneck, always a Roughneck. And I really feel that in my heart. Uh, Kurt, who do you lean on when you're making a, a tough life decision like that? Is it family for you? Is there is there friends or their former players? Where do you lean on when you're you're going through these decisions in your head about making the move to Vancouver? Well, I like to say my wife, but she usually tells me to suck it up. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't bounce on for everyone that knows Jill today. I don't get a lot there. So I have a I have a pretty core group of friends that that uh, that I I trust in and and that really mentor me in the right direction and bounce a lot of things off of. And, uh, you know, I, it was, it wasn't easy. I have a lot of friends in the national lacrosse league that I, that I, that I, I use for support and, and, you know, and it just having, having people in the, in the community and, you know, just, you know, and, and meeting, meeting the Aquilinis and just certain things just kind of help your decision along. And, um, I know, I don't, I know, I don't want to talk too much about the Vancouver side of things at this point, but, um, you know, yeah, just, just people that are close that you can trust. And a lot of thinking people know I'm a very critical thinker and, you know, I am all things over and I look long-term. So a lot of different things came into the decision, but, uh, not, none of it made it easier. Uh, I know you don't want to get too much in the Vancouver side of things, but give us a, a little bit. It's an exciting, got to be an exciting opportunity for you. You mentioned the family side of it, but from a, a lacrosse standpoint to be able to go back as a BC boy and take this opportunity up with, with the Vancouver Warriors. It's got to be a great step for your career and one that I'm sure you're excited about, Kurt. Yeah, it's exciting, guys. I, I got to tell you, again, it is, it is exciting to be close to home. There's been a lot of people, you know, around that town that says they're going to get season tickets and they're going to try to, you know, I just want to be able to grow the game and be a part of it and just to see if we can make it better. You know, I've, like I said, I got my young son and, and I coach all the, you know, the, the, the U13s and I'm, I'm very heavily involved in Maple Ridge Lacrosse and Team BC with BCLA. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of relying on, on, on uh, the situation in Vancouver to keep going because we need, as much as Calgary needs sport, pro sports or pro lacrosse in, in Alberta and, and Ontario being hotbedded uh, back there in Canada, that for us in BC, it, it needs to be here. And I was, I was a little nervous that if it left again, it probably wasn't going to come back. And, you know, I felt, I do feel the notice to anybody that knows me that I've always been a pay it forward guy. I spent a lot of time with the veteran guys, the hall of fame guys around BC and Ontario and throughout Canada. And it's the sports support. And I picked their brains for year after years after years. And now I have an opportunity to maybe help keep it there or help grow it so that the, you know, the, the young mouses of the world, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll you know, have somewhere to play down the road. So I did, that was a big part of my, 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 uh, my decision for sure. Uh, Coach Aaron asked you about you know what it's going to be like coming back to Calgary. I gotta I gotta ask you when you look back at your 16 years with the Roughnecks, what stands out as the core memories for you? Can you give us a couple that that stand out in your mind that you're going to remember for the rest of your life when your time with the Roughnecks? Yeah, um, there's good and there's bad, and, and and when I say bad, it's just was break like all the that we that we we lost in the mini game. I'll never forget. Yeah. You know, Andrew McBride, our captain, just just were balling as, as little kids on there. Just I felt so bad for those kids that the guys, they're not kids, but the men that didn't get a chance to win that championship. And it was just, I'll never forget Dixon, and I'll never forget Doby, and you know, just Mike Carney. Just the list goes on and on. And you know, trying to get Bobby McMahon his first championship, and you know, and then and then you look back in in, in 2009 when we won as a player, and Tracy Kluski 
you know, those guys touched the trophy for maybe one second. Like if, even if they did, it went right to me. And it was, I'll never forget that. Just having the support of the guys in that room. I was 39 years old and just, they were just, that, that taught me to play, you know, for the guy next to you. Like I learned so many things. And then in 2019, and we won it at home in overtime, man, like, Oh, it was just outstanding. Like, I'll never forget the dads. You know, Reese Kelly's dad crying and, and Courier's dad in the room. And, and just just their dads and the kids and the moms. And, the, and the, you know, Dovey up there with his little daughter. And, and just our fans just crying. Like, it meant so much to them. And as a coach, as a player, it's great. You win. But just being able to bring what happened to you in 2009 to their families and those, those players – Man, I, I, like that's what I'm gonna remember. It just we were able to, you know, Dixon run around. He didn't know what to do. It's like a kid in Christmas. It was what couldn't couldn't believe. If you watch the video, you just couldn't believe it. And just Danny Taylor and all those great stories of guys in Calgary. And you know, um, that those those are the memories I'm gonna last forever. And then those friendships that it gets solidified by winning or second to none. And it's just it's so many great memories. I can go on and on, guys. Kurt, this might be a difficult question for you to answer, but what do you want your legacy or what do you want your imprint to be left behind on in the Roughnecks organization? Blue collar, work ethic, we'll do whatever whatever it takes to help our team be successful. And and I demand a lot out of the players, but there's nothing that I wouldn't put back in. And and it and it was all inclusive. It wasn't just Kurt Malowski. It was every single person from the trainers off the staff to the fans everybody contributed and it was no one had an ego there we all just pulled on the rope in the right direction and we honestly played for the front of our shirts and we coached for the front of our shirts and we cared really cared about the person next to us and we did it for them it was so selfless there that we just we just everyone just bought in and did what they needed to do just just for the betterment of, of the whole team and the whole organization and that's that's what I want to be known for is that good people make good teams and that you battle for the person next to you and you left it all out there and you did whatever you could do to help that person succeed. And it wasn't about you, it was about them. And that's what I want to be known for, just a good team guy and a guy that really really brought that team-first attitude to Calgary and, and stuck to the principles that made teams never wavered. No matter what the situation was, we never wavered. We stuck to the processes. We played in that moment, and we were rewarded year after year. Kurt, uh, I couldn't have said it better. I, I know that that legacy you've left behind here in Calgary is one that will last for a, a very long time. First things first, congratulations uh, on all the success you had here in Calgary and on your new job in Vancouver. I speak for plenty of people who have reached out since the news came out that uh, you're going to be highly missed in this city, sorely missed for sure. And uh, we can't thank you enough for all the times you've jumped on the station with us, giving us your time. Uh, thank you for having this conversation with us today. And really, truly, all the best luck in Vancouver, Kurt. We can't wait to catch up with you when you come back to Calgary, sir. I know you mean it, and I really appreciate Heartfelt right back at you all for all those years. Take care, and we'll see everybody soon. Take care, Coach. Kurt Malosky, now the head coach and general manager of the Vancouver Warriors, uh, kind enough to give us some time down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. And, man, I, I that's the second time you and me have been on a conversation <laughs> with somebody uh, with a, a tough conversation, but good conversations. Um, we were talking with Mike Vernon on the day that he got announced to the Hockey Hall of Fame, and uh, he teared up talking about his mom and everything that his mom meant to, to him and his career. And um, I got to admit, it was hard 
uh, on this end of the microphone here in Kurt talk about, and he didn't want to talk about Vancouver, and, he, and that's that is such a Kurt Miloski thing to, yeah. to say, look, I know I'm going to this great opportunity, but I want to take a second to talk about Calgary, and I want to talk about how Calgary meant everything to me, and uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't help but choke up a bit on this side hearing the emotion in his voice because that guy means it. That guy is truly going to have a, a difficult time coming back to Calgary when it that NLL schedule comes out. You know the first name that he's going to, to look on the list for is when is, is Vancouver in Calgary, and he's going to have to prep, I think, a couple tissues for that one. Yeah, there was no lip service there. You could feel it in sort of the emotion throughout the entire conversation, and everything said there was from the part from the heart pardon me even even when he's talking about getting back home to bc and contributing back to lacrosse in the province at a grassroots level never mind the pro level never mind you know trying to grow the nll in vancouver or whatnot even just the enthusiasm and and the emotion that you could hear and he owes so much to lacrosse in the province that now that he's back he can he can give back to the grassroots level so that he can help develop the next generation of lacrosse player in the province, just everything from the heart from Kurt Miloski, your 2023 NLL coach of the year. And the, the best part about that for me is it's funny because Kurt always talks about, you know, giving back and, and giving to the organization, to the people around, but he's never one to, to take the credit for all that he's given. And I remember seeing the release last week and the first two people to comment on it on Twitter were, were uh, Jesse King, captain of your Roughnecks, and Christian Del Bianco, your goaltender for the Roughnecks, and just talked about what a loss this was. That the the, the coach was gone, and that and look, and it's it's not a self. He doesn't want it to sound selfish. It's the least selfish thing ever. He's not going, you know, for opportunity and for glory. He's going so he can be closer to his family yep. and so that he can be a big part of lacrosse in BC because he is a BC boy. But at the same time. He didn't want to take any of the credit for that, right? That wasn't to him. It would that would be disrespectful to his time in Calgary and what a time it was, right? Championships and 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 relationships with guys. And I know Snides talks about him all the time. And and Andrew McBride talks about this guy was just he was everything that you heard there. You're right when you said there was no lip service in that. And there's a lot of lip service in our industry. Oh there's yeah, a ton of oh it. yeah, easy. He, Kurt and Kurt's by the way, Kurt's a member of the Vancouver Warriors right now. He owed us nothing. He did not owe us a conversation. He did not owe us 20 minutes of his time in the middle of summer getting ready for Vancouver to have that hard conversation. But he did it because he loves the city and he loves everyone who, who followed and gave him that support. And then he thanked you for having the oppor- for giving him the opportunity to basically speak directly to those Roughnecks fans and all the relationships that he built over his time in Calgary. Like I don't know what says more. I don't know what says more yeah, about it. Like, thank you, thank, thank you for allowing me the us, platform yeah. to talk today yeah thank us thank you kurt uh is really what it is because that's uh that's a tough loss not only from a uh personnel perspective but from a, a good person in the culture community. perspective yeah. you name it yeah that's uh we've talked a lot about coaches and general managers in this city from the hitman and the flames and the roughnecks and those are not easy conversations to have they're tough ones to have and uh, you talk about replacing great people, the, the job that the Calgary Roughnecks have on their hands to, uh, you don't replace Kurt Miloski, but to try to do your best to replace Kurt Miloski, in, in my mind, is is one that I wouldn't want that challenge. Big shoes. I don't know how you do it. I really don't know how you do it. 
big shoes for the next guy coming in. 100%. Uh, thank you to the Vancouver Warriors for setting that up for us. Thank you to Kurt for the time. Really do appreciate it. Uh, that was a great conversation. If you missed any of it, uh, it'll be up on the Hour 2 podcast shortly for any Roughnecks fans or even just Calgary sports fans uh, that want to hear from Kurt Miloski uh, as he begins to take on it. And look, the Vancouver Warriors haven't had a ton of success uh, in the NLL yet. They're part of the Canucks Sports and Entertainment Group. Uh, the Aquilini Group is is the owners there. He met with uh, Francesco Aquilini as part of this process, and they, they've got a chance to get it right now, and I think this is the kind of move for them, Aaron, that really sets your, your franchise off in the right direction. You get a guy like Kurt Miloski in there to, to set that culture, that word that you used, and to set everything up in a winning way, that's how you, you get a franchise headed in the right direction. It'll almost be a trickle-down effect from the, the GM and head coaching position down to the players because we, you heard there, and I asked him the legacy question. It's always a weird question to ask a guy, one, who's still in it, and, and two, just, hey, what do you want to be known for? It's always kind of those, hmm, I wonder where it's going to mm-hmm. go. And he said, and he, again, like to, from, to the selfless, selflessness nature, well, it wasn't just me, but here's what we hope to do. We did this. We did this. We want to do instill good people make good teams, and you work hard and you work for the logo on the front. That's what the Vancouver Warriors are going to get, and it's going to bode well for their organization. It's going to bode well for the NLL as a whole as well to have another franchise that is going to be strong. Starts with leadership. Kermalowski certainly brings that. We're going to take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Aaron, we have some breaking Calgary Stampeders news that we will get to in just moments. Uh, A major injury for the Calgary Stampeders may have uh, created an impotence for uh, Dave Dickinson to go out and make a move to improve his team. We will tell you what that is next. We'll get you a Stamps report with Patty Dumas on the latest, but uh, we've got a big trade for the Calgary Stampeders to let you know about that will uh, break it down when we come back here on Sportsnet Today. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Well, Mr. Vickers. Yes? Seems as though we have some Calgary Stampeders news to get to. I was going to say allegedly, but no, allegedly. we do. There are. It's true. Uh, we heard last night from Danny Austin of Post Media that the Stampeders were perhaps concerned that star defensive end James Vauders perhaps tore his bicep late in the Stampeders loss to the Ottawa Red Blacks on Sunday. That's not great news for the Calgary Stampeders. James Vauders really coming into his own the last few weeks, a couple of games with double-digit sacks, forming a nice pass-rushing tandem with Julian Hausair. And while we haven't got that official news from the Calgary Stampeders, reports uh, from Danny Austin this afternoon would lead you to believe that perhaps there is something serious with James Vauders because uh, according to sources, uh, Danny is expecting the Calgary Stampeders to finalize a trade with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in exchange for a late-round draft pick to reacquire former Stampeders defensive end Jagarid Davis. And this is a big move for the Calgary Stampeders. Jagarid Davis has been a 
was a one-time stampeder, uh, honestly, a difference maker on the back end. He was uh, a, a member of the pass rush here in Calgary for a number of seasons. He's been off to a couple different CFL stops. Most notably in Toronto and Hamilton, but uh, a healthy scratch, it appears, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats in their game last week. And now... Uh, reportedly traded to the Calgary Stampeders. Um, interesting. We haven't got an official word on this yet. The only official news we've had from the team today is that they made a couple roster moves, uh, including bringing back defensive back Brad Muhammad, who was with the team last year, made 16 starts at halfback, attended training camp, was released by the Stamps, picked up by the Bombers, spending five weeks with Winnipeg, was then released from their practice roster and is now back with the Calgary Stampeders. So bringing back a familiar face on the defensive side of things in the defensive back spot with Brad Muhammad. But the bigger news we worry about, A, the health of James Waters, and B, if the corresponding move for the Calgary Stampeders was to bring in Ja'Garrett Davis. Yeah, and it's a Davis was a two-time Grey Cup champion most recently with the Argos in 2023, but also with the Stampeders in 2018. And I get the idea of we've had success with him here before. If Vodders is indeed out, you're bringing in somebody familiar back to the organization who, again, you've won with. He's played 94 games over parts of seven seasons in CFLs, 263 total sacks. Tackles, pardon me. That would be a lot of sacks. 263 total sacks, 49... Total tackles, 49 <laughs> sacks, three interceptions, 10 forced fumbles, and two defensive touchdowns. You'd have to think that one doesn't necessarily happen without the other. So you you wish Vodders the best. But now it's it's potentially Davis's time to return to form. Interesting, too, if this, if this does wind up being the case for the Calgary Stampeders, the message it sends from Dave Dickinson as GM, his first year as GM. And look, this will be the second major in-season move that he's made. The first was bringing back Mark and Michelle. We spent the last four years in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He came back with a bang last week in, in, against that game against Ottawa with two touchdowns, two massive touchdown catches. 93 yards was one of them? Uh, yeah, somewhere one of them in was there? massive. It was a long play. Uh, so he's come in and been a difference maker. And now, an immediate, almost an immediate reaction, we think, to James Vodders going down. He goes back and, look, it hasn't been a star season for, uh, for Ja'Garrett Davis. By all accounts, he's had trouble staying on the field with this version of the Ticats for whatever reason. Um, whether it's ratio or they just feel uh, they have a better option. He hasn't played a lot for them. But clearly a guy that the Stampeders have had success with and... To me, a clear indication that even at two and four, yet to get a home win on the season, Aaron, Dave Dickinson is not punting on the season. No, you're not. He's not just going to let this, you know, see how it goes. Okay, who's the next guy who's going to come up and get an opportunity? No, look, we've got an issue. We need to address it. I'm addressing it now and trying to get this team back on track as soon as possible. Yeah, you're not throwing in the towel just yet after six games. As you mentioned, they're two and four. They haven't won at McMahon yet. They're 0-3. Their schedule coming up is not the lightest, to say the least, with uh, some of the competition they'll be facing. But if you still have any hope on the season, 
you kind of got to do something. And, and, and again, two and four isn't where you want to be after six games. It's not where you want to be in late July in the standings. You're sitting fourth out of five teams in the West Division. But you want to give your guys a shot too. So go out there, see what's available. Hopefully you hit on something. We'll uh, get you the stamps report today with Patty Dumas with uh, a, a quick caveat here. Um, this was recorded a little earlier in the day, so without any of the, the news that me and Aaron just talked about with the Stampeders, we'll dive more into it on the other side. But did want to get you the Stamps report with Patrick Dumas uh, on this Tuesday edition of Sportsnet Today. This, this is the Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. Tuesday is an off day for the Calgary Stampeders as they put the tough loss to the Ottawa Red Blacks behind them and will soon turn their attention to the Montreal Alouettes. It'll be interesting to see who's practicing on Wednesday. Some concerns with Isaac Adiemi Berglund and James Vodders leaving the game. The latter left during overtime, heading directly to the locker room, as well Brandon Dozier was a game-time decision at safety and didn't go, and his replacement, Tay Daly, got injured early on and didn't return. Coach Dave on the injury situation heading into the week. We got a few, um, and obviously we need to take care of them and see where they're at. Um, you know, it's more of if like multiple posi- people get hurt in the same position group where we have our troubles. So uh, we have to reassess this afternoon. Uh, hopefully nothing too, too serious. I think we do have some issues there, though, and we'll, we'll just have to resolve it when we get more information. So we'll see who's on the field come Wednesday morning. For all the good that went down on Sunday, there was still some bad that resulted in the loss. Coach, on the team's inconsistent play and what needs to be addressed going forward. Well, I mean, we had some really, really good plays. We we had some things that just worked perfectly. One thing I said to the guys is we left it all on the field. We really did. We played extremely hard. Um, we do have to be better, and uh, we have to be a little bit more confident. The only thing I can say on confidence is you get confidence when you keep doing it over and over the right way, and you have some success. We're just kind of we're an inconsistent team. We do some great things, and then, you know, we, we panic maybe – you know, do a penalty, we grab on in the back end, we do something out of our character, we don't get a protection call right, and it really has come back to bite us. So, and know, uh, we are trying to stay positive, even though we know that, uh, you know, losing a couple overtime games is, is never a way, uh, never a recipe to, to get yourself on track and feel momentum. But uh, I think the guys still have faith that, uh, uh, you know, we're a good team, we got talent. And that we can beat anyone in this league, and we just got to do it more consistently. You mentioned losing those overtime. It is a talented group, as you can see, just needing it all to come together in a consistent package. Overtime has been a sore spot for this group of late, and Coach Dickinson recognizes the need to be better when you get to the extra session. The games that we got to overtime is because we made plays to get to overtime. We were behind. It's always frustrating when you maybe have that lead and you let a team get back to even with you in overtime and then lose it. That's probably more frustrating. But I can't ever feel good going in the locker room, talking to the guys or anything like that after uh, these are very uh, deflating losses. Can we have a short memory and can we find that energy to show up to work uh, with the passion and with the mindset, uh, make yourself a better player and, and find a way to win games? Is run defense a concern? Uh, I mean... Defensively, I think we've been doing a pretty good job up until about the last three minutes of the Saturday game, and it wasn't our best. Uh, wasn't not our best game, and you know they got 72 plays, and some of that was offense. You know we either we had too many turnovers, and then we had big plays. So when you have big plays, the defense is back in the field, and I thought they wore out. I thought our DBs looked tired by the end of it. Um, you know, like I said, the efforts there, just uh, consistency is not. Uh, they've been the leader of our group. Um, 
special teams, I thought, did a pretty good job as well. We made a big play block, and the punt had some good returns. So they answered the bell. We just have to find another play or two, a critical play, and we have to make that to, to come out on top. Funny how you can pinpoint the exact mark in games where if you did something a little different, maybe you don't get to overtime, maybe you get the win, and I'm sure that's something that will be talked about a lot this week as the Stamps head into a pretty tough place for them to play, at least in Montreal. Off day on Tuesday before Week 8 preparations get underway on Wednesday. With your Stampeders report, I'm Patrick Dumas. Thank you, Patty. Appreciate that, uh, your Stamps report today, like you mentioned. Uh, with the caveat uh, going in there that uh, was a little bit pre-recorded today, so the latest news that the Stampeders are close to acquiring Jagera Davis uh, from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, not included in that Stamps report uh, with Patrick today. But just as we sort of continue on that conversation, Aaron, you know, just kind of going through the Hamilton Tiger Cats depth charts this year, uh, Jagera Davis has been in the starting position for most of the season. He got the the strange designated American tag, which I'm not even going to get into. But he look the fact of the matter is he's been in the starting lineup most of this season, up until this last week against Toronto. Um, has been in the lineup, was placed on the one game injured list. Now could easily have been dealing with something nagging that that uh, required him to go on that one game injured list. But it looks like a lot of people speculating that perhaps it was more of a healthy scratch situation and. Uh, Jonathan Kongbo had perhaps taken over for Jagera Davis this season. It hasn't been an impact year for him as he'd hoped. Just five games played this year for Jagera Davis, uh, seven tackles total. Um, that's not what you're hoping for out of one of your starting defensive ends. Uh, pressuring the quarterback, huge. Uh, there's your captain obvious moment of the day. I thought I was going to bring the captain yeah, it's, obvious. It's, but... a bring, it's, a, it's a really big piece of news. You'll, you'll pick it up sooner or later. Um, but it's a big part of the game. And uh, to be five games into the season with no sacks for Jagger Davis clearly feels like Hamilton was looking for a bit more of an impact. And look, maybe they feel they've had a better option and in a guy like Jonathan Kongbo and we're comfortable with maybe Jagger underperforming a bit uh, to move him on to Calgary today. Yeah, and from a Calgary perspective, this is a guy that you, in theory, are going to need a lot of and a lot more of other than those seven tackles in five games, as you mentioned, because... If there is a biceps injury to James Waters, you are going to need somebody to fill that void. And Jagger Davis, the former Stampeder, the former Grey Cup champion with the Calgary Stampeders, could be on his way as per Danny Austin, a post-media late-round pick. Now, the good news is is the last couple of seasons have still been productive for Jagger Davis. Uh, back in Hamilton with 2020, in the 2021 season, he had six sacks, had seven with the Argos last year. Some familiarity on that defensive line as well. Uh, Julian Hauser, who um, operates on the opposite side of James Vaughters for the Stampeders pass rush, um, was a member of the Ticats the last couple of seasons. So uh, the pass rush reuniting of Hauser and Jagger Davis, uh, this time in Calgary instead of in Hamilton. And I think your point is well made that, yeah, you've got a, you're losing a, a massive piece here. If, if it's just going to be, that kind of production for for Jagger Davis, that's not going to get it done for the Calgary Stampeders, but I think uh, a buy-low situation here for Dave mm-hmm. Dickinson on a guy that they know really well here in Calgary, I think it makes a lot of sense. Don't sit on it too long if you're the Calgary Stampeders. 
if you did have a major loss like we think we're coming down with uh, with James Vaughters, then I think this makes a lot of sense to get in there quickly and uh, bring in a veteran option. Well, and just to run through Vaughters' contributions, he's got 15 tackles and five sacks in six games. Like that's that's, that's not a, a small that's not a small piece to your defense. No, and that's a lot more than um that's, that's a lot more than Jagarrett Davis. Jagarrett Davis has on the year, right? With all due with all due respect to to Jagarrett Davis, who had some really great years and good ones here in Calgary. Zero sacks, seven tackles in five games, just not going to be. It won't keep him on the field here in Calgary either. If that's no, nope, but the same guy. But sometimes, in you know, a new environment and a new old environment can spark some productivity. Oh, for sure. Hey, I, I like that a lot. It's been 2018 was his last year in Calgary. He went on to have 13 sacks with the Ty Cats in 2019. Obviously, no 2020 season, uh, but 2021, like I mentioned, six sacks, seven sacks last season. I think you're talking about a guy at 32. Yeah, who's not past his prime, I think can still be very productive. And you're right, maybe that that change of scenery back in a bigger role in Calgary, right? If if Dave Dickinson comes to you and says, hey, look, we're going to put you in the starting lineup. Don't worry about that. Just go out and be productive for us. Maybe that's the the boost that a guy like Ja'Garrett Davis needs uh, coming back to the red and white here in Calgary. And if you even include the, the seven tackles in five games this year, historically in the league, he still averaged roughly three tackles per game. Yeah. So if you can tap into some of that prior success as opposed to the sort of lackluster performance in terms of seven tackles in five games in Hamilton, maybe you can get back to something. You're not going to just, you're not just going to replace Vauders in this trade. No. But you're going to need Davis to do more than what he's done. If in fact, that's the situation we're looking at. Yeah, just to be clear, that's uh, reporting from Danny Austin of Post Media. Mark Stevens uh, of the Stampeders has uh, heard similar things, but uh, as you learn in this business, nothing is official until it's official. So until we hear from the Ticats or the Stampeders uh, on that deal being 100% finished, we will uh, leave it with you as just a rumor uh, ahead of the Calgary Stampeders matchup with Montreal this week. Do we have the uh, Dion Phaneuf commentary on the... Uh... On the supposed trade? Until it's done, it's not done? I wish I had it ready to go. I should have. But yes, I, I do think that uh, Dion would have uh, the perfect thing to add to that. I um, mean, sorry for springing it on you with no No, it's no fine. Advanced I should have thought that through. That's, if only Jason DeForest was still here. Jay was so quick on the clips, but... Um, Dion. Uh, CFL Week kicks off, uh, funny enough... On Friday, with those Hamilton Tiger Cats at two and four, they're into Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks, who have back-to-back overtime victories over Winnipeg and Calgary. Saturday doubleheader: it's the Rough Riders taking on the undefeated Toronto Argonauts in Toronto, two p.m. kickoff. While Saturday sees the BC Lions in Edmonton against the zero and seven Elks. Will the Elks set a history mark with the longest professional? Oh home losing streak if they lose on Saturday against BC who's 5 and 1 on the season but will be starting backup quarterback Dane Evans they will set the record with 21 consecutive home losses let me uh I'll answer after you okay because you're my guy on this where are you at on that losing streak that 
potentially professional sports setting losing streak on home field slash ice slash court. It's it's pathetic. It's not good. Um, it's and uh, should mention too. That's that's right. That's the uh, texture point out nine six zero nine six zero. It's touchdown Atlantic. So they're not in Toronto for that uh, that uh, that game for the Riders and uh, Toronto. Thank you, the texture, for pointing that out. Um, but yes, the Elks are at home. Unfortunately, it's it's embarrassing at this point. The worst thing for me is even as a as a Calgary guy growing up, I still have respect for everything that Edmonton. They've had a great franchise there for a lot of years. They've got a great training facility right off the building there. And look, I really like what Victor Cooey's done there coming in and, and promoting the game in as many different ways as he can, coming up with creative incentives for people to come to the games, finding affordable ways for people to come and be a part of the CFL. And unfortunately, if the on-the-field product doesn't match up in, in an entertaining way, it's hard yep. to sell people, as even if it's affordable, to come watch the Elks get their teeth kicked in 20 straight times at Commonwealth Stadium. That's you're always going to undermine the message if you can't back it up on the field. So, look, they they have to end this thing as soon as possible. Uh, that's, you know, that's, again, Does, Captain Obvious. But Doesn't it feel like they're getting more and more creative in extending this losing streak, though? Like, you'll see the clips come through, or you're watching the game, and you go, oh, maybe maybe this one has a chance. Maybe this one feels different. And then it's an errant throw or a fumble or blown coverage, and then suddenly it's like, oh, not this week. Yeah, they've they've shot themselves in the foot way too many times to to even find it. I don't know. Do you still find? Maybe you still find it amusing if you're a Calgary fan that's uh, lived through the the Battle of Alberta days. But at some point, it's like it was like for me for the longest time growing up, it was like, how could you hate the Cleveland Browns, right? What have the Cleveland Browns ever been but a losing franchise, right? They've never hurt anybody. Exactly. How can you hate the Cleveland Browns? That's this version of the Edmonton Elks for me. 10, 15 years ago when Ricky Ray was slinging it around, sure, you can hate them because they were great. They won all the time. This version of why can you hate them? I mean, they're, you could actually, if you're an Elks fan, you can hate them because they're incredibly stubborn and don't appear to make any sort of creative decision-making to get themselves out of this this mess if you're Chris Jones. But if you're, you know, if you're a BC fan, you're a Calgary fan, I mean, it's got to be comedy at this point. It's not like you can sit there and, and be mad at them about anything. They've been terrible. Well, I was going to ask you, because you've been following along on the text line more than I have during this seasons-long losing streak. Have you seen the sentiment in Calgary specifically in text line 960-960 change from... You know, maybe poking a little fun to, to to feeling a little sorry. Has that evolution happened via the texters? I don't know if it has. I think most Calgary fans, the at least the Calgary fans that I know, I think would still um, love to bathe in the sorrow and, and tears of Elks fans. I don't think that there's any any feeling bad for your brother up north or vice versa. I think it's the same with the Flames and the Oilers. Like, I think if the Oilers or the Flames were to go into a five or six year rebuild for whatever reason. I don't think uh, flames or Oilers fans would take any less pride in those battle of Alberta victories uh, than they would when they were a good contending team. At least that's my opinion. Maybe the text line proves me wrong on that. Well, this texter coming in 
Loving the Elks losing streak, and I hope they never win a game again. Yeah, so that's now that's just one. That's what I believe the majority of texters would come in with. That's me. I and that's knowing what I know about the rivalry. I don't think anyone in Calgary feels sorry for for what's happening to him, especially since maybe since Calgary hasn't been that good either. Where are you on the? And you don't have to go long on this, but where are you on the? This doesn't help the league. This losing streak from Edmonton, like it actively hurts wow. the CFL. I mean. It does. There's only nine teams. Any team failing in that sort of record-breaking fashion is going to hurt, right? It's it, it's a different beast at 32 teams right? in the NHL or the NFL. The weak link, I think, doesn't hurt the overall brand and the overall product as much. I think when there's only nine teams... It it kind of it dilutes, and you. I think for the CFL to be successful, you need a certain level of success from every group, mm-hmm. right? There's only nine of them. I don't think you can so have one legging. Yeah, you know, you're always going to have the Saskatchewans and the Winnipegs, and look, BC's growing things. I think you're always going to have those sturdy pillars if you're the CFL. But I, I don't think you can have an anchor dragging behind as much as, as one franchise has been the last little while. That's, just, that's that's my opinion on it. I think the league's better off with as many competitive teams as they possibly can have, and Edmonton's included. And look, the league's just better overall when there's a, a general interest in, in in every game. And will there be as much interest Saturday night for um, people around the league to watch? I mean, if you're interested in the losing streak, sure. But past, you know, what do we go for? Entertainment? From an entertainment standpoint, are you... You have to be glued to this Saturday. Probably not when one team is zero and seven and the other is five and one. Matt and Cochran. It's the Simpsons episode where Homer becomes a crusty clown. Crusty the clown. <laughs> stop! Stop! He's already dead. And this texter, Elks losing helps the league. No such thing as bad PR. People probably tuning in to see the record about to be beat. Fair enough. Uh, look, if that's if that's the case, then the eyeballs are are, are good ones for the CFL. Uh, and just want to pass this along as we finish up the segment here. Uh, further reporting from Danny Austin, Mark Steven, uh, Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation, uh, also confirming the reports that the Calgary Stampeders set to acquire veteran defensive lineman Jagarrett Davis in a trade with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Time for your WPCA report. That kicks off hour three of the program, and it's next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.